for you are worthy. Amen. He's worthy. Amen. He is so worthy. Thank you, Lord. He's good. Um, I did a no-no. I texted during service. Uh, the reason I texted was uh, Sunday afternoon I received a testimony and I wanted to make sure that testimony still stood. And it still stands. So I'm going to read it to you. But not, not only did I get confirmation that it still stood, I got two other things. I got permission to share it with you. And then I got another testimony. Um, first testimony... I was from Lauren Ellis. She said, I want to share with you what just happened. Our air conditioner went out in our car yesterday, which was Saturday, and we were going to have to take it to the shop in the morning. Well, I felt like I needed to pray over it. Battling with my mind, I doubted the possibilities with Jesus actually fixing it. He would not let it be. He said, how can I show you my power if you don't trust me? Wow, so I started speaking the name of Jesus over the air conditioner. And I turned it on, and it came on cold. What an awesome word this morning. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's still working. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I texted Aaron, is it still working? He says, yes, it's still working. And he said, last night, Aaron, uh, his wife Lauren's ear, she had incredible pain in her ear. And he prayed for her, and she was healed. And her ear is still fine. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much, team. It's just heaven on earth. I just love it. We need this every day, don't we? Does anyone have an announcement? Greg, bring us, bring us the word, brother. chapter 12, please. Genesis chapter 12. There I am. While you're opening your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, tonight we're going to talk about some things that we've been singing about and what we just heard about. But I'm going to call the title of this sermon, we're going to call it, in the Texas vernacular, Stacking Up Stones. Everybody say, Stacking Up Stones. We're going to stack up stones tonight. Let's start, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to visit with a couple of, of the Old Testament heroes in order to kind of lay out the basis for stacking up stones. Here we go. We'll start in Genesis 12, um, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, 
Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And we'll skip down to verse 4 and continue on from there. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Sechem as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram, the Lord appeared to Abram, and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Everybody say, He stacked up stones. He built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord. Everybody say, he stacked up stones. He stacked up stones. And he called on the name of the Lord. So after Abram leaves this area that he's camped in, he goes down to Egypt, has a little bit of problem with Sarai and the Pharaoh, kind of gets booted out of Egypt, and then we'll join Abram back, and we'll go down to Genesis 13, verse 1. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock. His visit in Egypt was actually pretty good. In silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. I want you to catch that. At the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. Remember, he stacked up stones and he went right back there. Remember that? And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Hmm. Let's skip down to 13, chapter 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Everybody say, he stacked up some stones. He stacked up some stones. Now, I've got to tell you, we're not going to go through all of the instances of what happened in this area that, that, that we just saw Abram build an altar in. But one of the things that I do want to say, and this is very important for you to note, 
we see this same place occur again and again and again throughout the remainder of Genesis. As a matter of fact, this area where, where Abram at that time, Abram, built his altar, this last altar, was the area that became the burial ground for all the patriarchs of, of, of the children of Israel. They, I want you to catch this. I want you to, to catch this in your mind. We're out on the plains of Hebron, and every time we go to bury one of our patriarchs, we actually can look over there and we see that stack of rocks. And everybody looks there and says, you know, Abram stacked up some stones. And they're remembering. You understand that? It's important. Okay. Let's skip over to Joshua. Let's flip over to Joshua. We'll go to Joshua chapter 4 in your Bibles. We're going to start with verse 5. We'll start reading with verse 5. <clears throat> and Joshua said to them, the, the children of Israel are getting ready to enter into the land. This is going to be awesome, guys. Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of, of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of, tri of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. Set, I want you, everybody to say, they stacked up stones. They stacked up stones. There was a reason for that. Let's skip down to verse 20 here. Chapter 4, verse 20. And those stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. Everybody say, they stacked up stones. They stacked up stones. Let's, let's, um, no, I'm not going to go there. One of the things that you, you, you should understand about this last passage that I just read was that Moses had actually commanded the children of Israel that they would do exactly what they did back in Deuteronomy before they entered into the land. 
Moses told them that they were going to stack up stones. Moses knew the importance of a memorial. The Lord knew the importance of a memorial. Abram knew the importance of a memorial. As a matter of fact, one of the things that's interesting about this is that as you look at the children of Israel as they leave Egypt, we see Moses stacking up rocks. Whenever something big happens, as a matter of fact, the Lord commands him, hey, stack up some rocks, but don't use a tool on them because I don't want you to desecrate this altar. that interesting? Later on in the book of Joshua, we see the children of Israel and they leave. They kind of depart from the way of the Lord. They're in Israel. They've been delivered safely and given the land. And you'll recall that Joshua actually has to command all of the elders and all of the chiefs and all of the people of all of the tribes. He actually gathers them, and this is in chapter 24. You can look at it later. He gathers them together. He gathers them, interestingly enough, in the same place that Abram built that last altar. So I can just see the children of Israel sitting on this plain of Hebron, looking over there and going, Abram. Uh, he's our forefather. It's awesome. We remember Abram. Abraham is how they would remember him. Okay? But I can imagine that they're sitting there as Joshua gives them this word and says, the Lord delivered you into this land. What are you doing? What are you doing? And Joshua calls the children of Israel back to a point of repentance, back to a point of walking with the Lord. And as he calls them, he says, I'll tell you what we're going to do here. I'm going to take this stone and I'm going to set it under this tree as a witness that all of you now testify that you and all of yours will serve the Lord because that's what you told me. Let's say he stacked up a stone. He stacked up a stone. You know, I've talked in the past about where I think that we are at here in this world. And I'm not going to go down that path right now, but one of the things that I will say is that I believe that it's more and more and more important for each and every one of us as believers to begin to understand the importance of making memorials to what the Lord has done for us. We need to start stacking up stones, folks. The Word says, and I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but the Word says, we sang it, we sang it tonight, that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. You see, I think that there's a time coming and, the, and, and for some of you, the time may already be where your life is so shaken that you need to go back and you re- need to remember 
some of those things that the Lord has already done for you. Okay. So why why would we need let's 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 move from thinking about stacking up stones, memorials. Let's talk about testimonies for a bit because that's really what we're here to talk about. Why do we need testimonies? You know, why do we need testimonies? Well, I can think of a lot of reasons. I'm just going to cover a few of those reasons tonight. The first reason that we need testimony is that they, a testimony is a key element of our witness to the world. You understand that? We see scriptural proof of this all the time. If you look at the woman at the well in John chapter 4, you know, she encounters Jesus out there at the well. Jesus talks to her for a while. Jesus stays at the well. The disciples are gone. The woman runs off after, G- after she's had this encounter with Jesus. She runs off into her town in Samaria and tells everybody, you guys have got to come see this man who told me everything that I have done. And it says in the word that the entire, almost the entire town poured out to come see Jesus. In Mark chapter 5, we see an instance where Jesus, for some reason, and I've I got to tell you, I don't understand this, but, but I know the Lord does because he did it. But he leaves a, a, thousands of people that he's ministering to. And he goes across the sea, and he goes to a place called the Gadarenes, and he encounters this man who has been cast out of his village I mean, this man is so demonized that he's been bound in chains. He is crazy. And Jesus delivers this man. And this man is healed. Just like that. Just like that. I mean, there's no exorcism. There's no messing around. There's no fussing. There's no yelling. It's done. Jesus heals the man, and then he begins to leave. And the man says, hey, I want to come with you, Jesus. And Jesus does one of the funniest things ever. He tells this man who's been demonized, no, you go into your town, and you tell the people what the Lord has done for you. He became an evangelist. He moved from being a demoniac to an evangelist just like that. Now that man, i got to tell you, what do you think the people in the town were thinking when this guy comes dragging in? Whoa! That guy's out of his chains. We look at it. We see time and time and time again if we look at the book of Acts and we see Paul teaching in the synagogues. He goes from city to city to city as the Lord directs him. 
And one of the things that he does is he sits down with the... The first thing he did, he made a practice of this. The first thing he did when he hit a town was he would go to the synagogue, sit down with the good Jews in that city, sit down with the people, and the thing that he would do is he would give them his testimony. He would talk to them about how he was the chief sinner, that he was the persecutor of the so-called Christians until he himself had an encounter with Christ Jesus. So our testimonies are a key element of our witness to the world. You ought to be equipped. Every one of you are believers in here. You ought to be equipped with testimonies ready to roll when it's time to talk to somebody who maybe is in a hopeless situation. If it's not your testimony, maybe it could be somebody else's testimony, but you ought to be ready. Okay? Testimonies give us hope when things seem hopeless. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of step out of my Christian thought here a little bit. I'm going I'm to talk to you a little bit more. Of, I'm going to give you a secular example, but it's a true example. Um, last year, I had an opportunity to go to a Rangers game, and I like to go to major league games when I get a chance. And in this particular game, the Rangers were way, way, way behind. I mean, it, it was pretty bad. And they kind of made a comeback slowly towards the latter innings. And I guess they were probably three, four runs down at the ninth inning. Of course, it's a home game, so they bat last. But this is the only major league game that I've ever been to where the home team won the game on what they call a walk-off home run. They got men on base. A guy that was not a star on the Rangers came up to bat. And, I mean, he hit a home run, and they won the game. And it was awesome. It's the first time I've ever seen a walk-off home run, you know, in person. So anyway, last week, I got a chance to go to another Rangers game. And same situation. It was almost almost eerie, you know. The Rangers got way behind in the seventh inning. And I got to tell you, folks, it was almost funny. I don't understand it, but people were leaving. Man, people are just leaving, walking off. And I'm going, what is up with this? See, the... The thing about it is, was I had seen last year, I saw a major comeback, man. I was not leaving. And it turned out that the Rangers came within two runs. I mean, they actually had the winning run at the plate. So they rallied in the ninth inning. They didn't pull it off. But the fact of the matter is, is that all those folks that left, that lost hope, you know, they missed good baseball. It still was exciting. It was still fun. Still got to root. Our testimonies are a lot the same way. Do you understand that? When we get a chance to to see God move and we're able to testify to that, I mean, we grab onto that. We say, all right, I got that one. I got that one. Yeah, I got, I seen God, I, I seen God do this. I seen God handle this, you know. So, 
It, it has the ability to give us hope when things are hopeless. Something else that a testimony does is it gives us the, the opportunity, I'll call it the opportunity, to give God glory. Because when we testify, we're giving God the glory, right? It's not about us. What we're able to do when we say, you know what, I've seen God do this, what we're able to do is we're able to position ourselves and say, God, you are the great I am. And I certainly am not. So we give God the glory. We're able to position ourselves to give God the glory through our testimonies. Something else that I didn't cover earlier in, in our reading in Joshua, but testimonies, let me, let me say this. I'll put it this way. Testimonies put us on the same page as God. It's interesting. If you look in the, in the Bible, sometimes when the children of Israel are carrying around the ark, sometimes they call it the ark of the covenant, and sometimes they call it the ark of the testimony. It's almost interchangeable. It's really strange. And if you look up the words, the, the Hebrew words, they're not the same. So they, they interchange the words ark of the covenant and ark of the testimony. You know? Interesting. And, and it could be one verse away, and you'll see, still see this change in terms of reference to the ark. Well, here's what I, th- I take this to mean. Um, when I testify that God has done something in my life, or when you testify that God has done something in your life, you are covenanting with God. God is entering into a covenant with you. Does that make sense? In other words, you're giving him the glory. What's he going to do? Is he going to take it back? I don't think so. No. You're saying, God, God did this. God's awesome. I'm going to testify about it. I'm going to tell people. You know, you think God was going to take the the healing back from the demoniac? I don't think so. So when we testify, we're getting on the same page with the Lord God Almighty. Make sense? And, of course, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but our testimony is a key tool in terms of us being an overcomer. The Word says that... Well, I'll just read, I'll just read this. This is the New American Standard Version. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night, and they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. It's interesting when you look at that, that scripture, we tend to think about things that we see in the book of Revelation as, as, as occurring at some point in the future. But this particular passage, this overcoming, is the present 
form of the Greek verb. In other words, I believe that we are even now overcoming him, the accuser. You and I are overcoming the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. Now, not not sometime when we face a, a big battle, but we're overcoming him right now by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. Amen? So, you know, how do we get a testimony? A lot of times we think about a testimony as, as, as the story of our life. You know, we've, we've kind of been raised up that that's our testimony. But, you know, that's not our testimony, obviously. Our testimony are the things, our testimonies are the things that the Lord is doing in our lives, in the lives of those that are around us. Could be, could be even bigger than that. We could see the Lord move in the form of a testimony in regards to our government, our nation. Amen? Let me say this. If you don't think you have a testimony and you're in here and you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're wrong. You already have a testimony. Amen? And that testimony is this. You know, Paul wrote... In the first chapter of Colossians, Paul wrote, he said, Christ Jesus in you, the hope of glory. What a testimony that is. You know, it's interesting if we look at that, this is right after Paul talks about Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. And then he turns around and he says, Christ Jesus in you, Harvey. He's the hope of glory. You got a testimony. Creator of the universe, in you, you got a testimony. We have testimonies. If you're a believer, you have a testimony. Don't think you don't. You've got reason for hope because Christ Jesus is the hope of all glory. Isn't that neat? Let's talk about how we practically get some testimonies. One of the things that we need to do is we we need to let God work. A lot of us tend to think, you know, and this is particularly true of men. Men tend to do this. I'm going to talk to my brothers right now. Uh, On the railroad, we call it taking the switch into hand throw, man. We're going to fix it. Whatever it is, we got the power to fix it. Well, you know, in order to get a testimony, sometimes we have to lay that down and let God fix it. See what I'm saying? We have to let God do it. We have to stand back and we have to say, you know what, Lord? This one is you. It's bigger than me. Or it may be that you're in a place where you just say, hey, I want a testimony. You know? But you need to ask God to act in that area that you need a testimony in. Lord, fix it. In the name of Jesus. Okay. 
One of the other things that I think we can do is that we can approach believing for a testimony the way that a child would act. This is scriptural. We need to have faith like a child. We need to just say, you know, Lord, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. I know you can. You are big. You are daddy. You are awesome. And you're going to do it. And have faith like a child. Let the Lord do it. And expect Him to work. As a matter of fact, let's, let's get behind that. Let's start, you know, let's start talking about, hey, I'm anticipating that God is going to fix this. I'm anticipating that God's going to deliver a testimony. I'm anticipating that God is bigger than this. Amen. Another way that we can have a testimony is sometimes we've got to start a little bit small. Here's what I mean by that. We underestimate, all of us underestimate, the amount, the level of destruction that the enemy wants to deliver to each and every one of us. We don't, under, we don't understand how much destruction the enemy wants to rain down on the elect of God. The fact that we're here tonight is a testimony. It's a miracle. We need to start looking for the Lord and, and seeing the Lord work in some of the smaller areas of our lives. Some of the things that we would tend to take for granted. Did your husband take a business trip and he came home safe? Praise God, it's a testimony. You know? Is your, children, is your child safe today? Praise God, that's a testimony. Did you have a wreck and nobody got hurt? Praise God, I got a testimony. Do you have a job? You're able to earn a living? Praise God, I've got a testimony. Let's start, let's, let's quit taking God for granted. Let's start praising God for the little things. Let's start giving Him the glory for the things that we would consider little or maybe the world would consider little. I guarantee you that what will happen is that the Lord will begin to move in your life in a much bigger way. We're going to have mighty testimonies. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong about that. We're going to see people healed. We're going to see cancers taken away. We're going to see our children redeemed when it looks like there's no hope. We're going to see that. We're going to have mighty testimonies. But we need to recognize God for moving in the little things as well. Amen? Amen. There might be a time here where you feel like, man, Lord, I'm doing all these things that I heard Greg talk about. I'm doing them all. And it still doesn't look like Anything's happening here. What's going on, God? What's going on? 
I'm waiting. I'm crying out. I'm going to give you the glory. I am. I'm just not seeing it. What's going on? The Word is very clear about this, guys. The Word says that we are being transformed in the same image, that is, the image of Christ Jesus, moving from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You may be in that place where I'm sorry to say that you're moving from glory, you're stepping down, and you're getting ready to step back up again, but you may be here, and you're going to step back up. and It's going to be glory, but you know it may just be in that place right now. Waiting on God. But take heart because God is moving. And you are being transformed even through this. Isn't that cool? Praise God. One other thing that I would say that we need to do, and this is something that I'm preaching to myself about, um, because I've got to tell you that I'm... I give God glory because I have mighty testimonies in my life. And I don't do a good job of writing those testimonies down so that I can go back to those things and look at my stack of stones when I need to. So I would encourage each and every one of you that are hearing this to make sure that you're recording your testimonies, those little things, those big things, those answers to prayer, those things that God is doing in your life those things that God is doing in the lives of those that are around you, those things that God is doing when He answers your prayer when you didn't think there was any hope. We need to write those things down so that when we get to that point where we're waiting for another testimony, we can go back and we can say, you know what? Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Just like the children of Israel as they were sitting on the plains of Hebron and they were being chastised by Joshua, And they were looking over there and they were going, man, Abram, Abraham was right here. Abraham was talking to the Lord right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to close right there. I'm going to give you an opportunity now to come up here and testify if you want. I'm not, I'm not coercing. I'm not forcing. But if you have a testimony, I just invite one or two or three of you to come up here and give, give your testimony. We heard a couple that Pastor Allen uh, read earlier. I love those. We laid our hands on our car, car and prayed. Awesome. Perfect. God is good. God moved. You know. So if you have a testimony, I just encourage you to come up here and give it. Come on, Harvey. Where's that mic? Well, I'm 58 years old, and that's not very old for most people. But I'm the oldest male in my lineage from my father's family by 11 years. Nobody has ever lived as long as I have. And I'm going to tell you why. 
I know exactly why. When, when I was saved, God said, I'm giving you a new heart. They all died of heart attacks. And I thought just like everybody else, you know, he's going to clean it up and it's not, he's not really giving me a new heart. But guess what? I found, out, I found out not long after that that I really did have a new heart. <laughs> and it's strong. Every time I go to a, a, a new doctor, they get real excited about uh, what's happened in my family's history, and they immediately hook me up with a new cardiologist. And guess what? They, they can't find anything. You know, they're all a little concerned about that. Um, <laughs> but God is good. Uh, he's taking care of me. And, you know, every, every morning when I wake up, I start thinking of all the things that God has done. Everything I can think of. I start with a, a cell and look how a cell is put together. And then I look at, you know, organs and the human body and rabbits and cats. And I think about all those things in the mountains. And, you know, I have, a, I have a degree in biology and a minor in chemistry. And I can tell you that the only thing that evolves is when a man goes from not knowing God to knowing God. Thanks, Harvey. Anybody else? Anybody else got a testimony? That was an awesome testimony. Thanks, Harvey. Praise God. Praise God. Y'all, I'm nervous. I don't know why I am. I guess because I have to glorify God and um, I guess next month in June, just all the things that God has done for me the last three years. I mean, I was in state jail and I mean, I just, he delivered me from drug addiction, now alcohol addiction. And um, I just, I mean, I have my own business, but it's not my business. It's his business. Um, He blesses my finances. I mean, only because... And I tell people this. I wait tables part-time and, and I own my own business. I do that for something to do because my mind, you know, I don't like to sit idle. But I tell people that wait tables all the time, you can live so much better on God's 90% than you can on your 100%. And um, so I just, you know, want to thank, you know, God for everything that he's done for me because, um, I mean, I just was sitting here. <laughs> about this testimony because, you know, um, I really don't care what people think because I know what he thinks about me. And um, that's all I wanted to say today. So, anyway, thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? Anybody else got a testimony? All right. Um, In response to the prayers from last week, I understand you guys prayed for several people, and I was one of those. And I want to give glory to God because I'm not in any pain. I'm not on any medication. And God is good. I believe God has restored my my sinuses and my cheek. And my dentist had said, you may be needing a root canal. I'm like, I rebuke that. <laughs> I don't like those. And then one other thing, just to encourage you with your children. Um, this time next week, I get to be in a ceremony with my daughter. She's graduating with her doctorate degree, persevering. As a midwife, she'll be Dr. Summerlatta. And some of you know her and some of you don't, but I wanted to share that part of you, that part of our life with you. It's a wonderful testimony for me to be able to say, my daughter trusts in the Lord, she lives for God, and it's been a hard road. Three years of, of real 
really difficult time of learning and studying and forsaking everything else, and now it's paying off for her. So to me as a mother, that's a testimony of rejoicing over my children. I wanted to share that with you. So just three, actually more than three, but three people testifying. I'm just going to encourage you to make it a habit. Remember to write your testimonies down. I'll try to do the same. I want to pray over all of us before we leave tonight. Is that all right? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Well, Father, I just thank you for this word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that every person that has heard this, this word that you gave, Father, I thank you, Father God, for your glory for the testimonies in their lives, Father. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that every person in this room is walking, is a walking testimony, is a, walk, is a walking miracle, is, is, is a miracle carrier, Lord, in the name of Jesus and for your glory and your glory alone. Father God, I just thank you, Lord God, that we leave this place tonight and we will be recharged and renewed and, in, and anticipating that you're going to move in our lives, you're going to move in the lives of those around us. Father God, I just thank you, Lord God, that you encourage us, Lord, that you